Finding your way to a balanced way of living is the key to health and happiness. Each week on Choosing the Balanced Life with Diabetes, you'll hear tips and tools for a happier and healthier life. Here's your host, Anita Westlake. As we all know, there are dozens and dozens of diets claiming to help us lose weight. And with obesity and um, being overweight on the rise, especially in North America, um, it's such an issue to lose weight and such a great concern. So many of us um, are at a great risk of developing type 2 diabetes or even making diabetes more manageable through weight loss and watching what we're eating. There's diets out there that claim to help us manage in our eating when it comes to our sugars and diabetes, along with cholesterol, uh, cardiovascular issues, and blood pressure. And yet still, we struggle on a constant basis with all of these. So here today to talk about the whys on why we may be struggling with some of these issues is my guest, Dr. Art Kaperold. And we'll discuss some of these issues on why we're having so many difficulties with weight loss, diets, and managing our health. Hi, Art. Hi, Nina. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for joining me. So that's a big question. As we both know, there are dozens and dozens of diets. Just unbelievable. Uh, there's the grapefruit diet. There's just there's diets that you just eat eggs, you just eat bananas. It's insanity. And they all have this um, turnkey that you will lose weight. And not only will you lose weight, but you will be healthy. Now, I guess, you know, in theory, sure, you lose weight, you're going to be healthier. Is it really something that where we can keep the weight off? Will our health in some of these um, drastic measures really um, improve? I would doubt it. Um, but really, the success rate of dieting is not very high. I mean, initially you may take off some weight and that's all well and fine, but before we know it, and there is figures attached to this, something like 95% of people that even though they've lost weight on a diet will slowly start to climb back up on the scale. And in some cases even exceed the initial weight that they had a problem with. So, you know, that's not success. And it really does cause other uh, problems with their health going up and down and up and down with their weight. Never mind, it is so discouraging. Absolutely. So, the uh, And there's there's actually reasons why that is. Would you like me to explain a little bit of I that? Would, I think we would all love that. <laughs> okay. Just to get into well, why you, we're having, initially diet is a four-letter word and yucky. So what is right, it about right. that? Well, your your initial comment about all the diets out there, you're absolutely right. There's there's many, many, many diets out there. And unfortunately, I I have a little bit of a skewed observation of that. I think that a lot of people write these things because they can sell a book and they can make some money off of it. Um, when a diet, for the most part, the, the reason people are losing the weight initially is because they've they've altered their their eating habits and cut out a lot of the foods that they should be staying away from. But when they have that big initial drop in weight in the beginning, it's because they have started to lose accumulated water because of their poor diet. So it's actually the first 
week or two when they're losing all that dramatic amount of weight. It's, it's actually water. And that tapers off, and then it starts to slow down. Um, when you mention that people, when they lose weight, and then they eventually gain it back, and, and in some cases even gain more, that's because most of the diets out there uh, are calorie-restricted, and they tend to lose muscle mass in the process. And so when you lose muscle mass, your overall, overall metabolism drops. And so not being able to metabolize as many calories as you could before you started the diet, therefore, when you go back to eating the way that you used to eat, you're actually going to gain more fat back. And so the idea is is that you have to adopt... What, what you and I have been calling a healthy lifestyle and you have to understand the food choices that you're making and how they affect your health and also you have to incorporate some type of exercise to maintain that muscle mass because we're meant to be mobile beings and you know you know we're meant to move around and so having it doesn't have you know it doesn't mean that, that you have to be Arnold Schwarzenegger and you know be a bodybuilder or lift a ton of weight exercise just to move and, and maintain some muscle mass is all that's needed. Now, the different health issues that people have, meaning that they could use or handle maybe a more stressful type of exercise, and that doesn't mean stressful in a bad way. It's just that anything that's an assault on the body can be a stressor, and so exercise, if it's overdone, can be bad for the body. And so finding out what works for that particular person is going to be critical. So really, you know, there have, there's people that are going to say, well, I went on the um, low-carb or non-carb or high-protein diet, and it worked for me. They lost weight. And that's great. But again, for how long? Because I'll hear, oh, it was great, and I lost the weight. Now I was bad, and I put it back on. Well, what I'm hearing is it wasn't a doable plan that worked for you long term. It worked short term, mm -hmm. but again, we go back to where we were before. It was just a short term fix. And so going up and down the scale isn't the healthiest thing either. So having said that, what do you think the biggest culprit is? I know what my opinion is. My, my opinion is that it's sugar because right. sugar, of cravings. Sugar and that's something Absolutely. that I think, and you know, willpower, that takes effort, a lot of effort. And how long is it going to last? I mean, and what are trigger points? Because you hear people say, well, I like sweet foods. And other people say, no, I'm drawn to more of the savory foods that, you know, the fried French fries and whatnot. And in my mind, mm -hmm. I think, well, yeah, that's true. French fries can be fried. Then they have baked French fries. But what is a French fry? It's a potato. And what is a potato? It's a starch. And what does that equate to? Right. Sugar. And Absolutely. so I think we're using uh, the mindset and the approach is really key when we're looking at a diet or a different way of eating, a healthier way of eating. I'm forced to say diet today. And, you know, I really hate that word. And I know you're not a lover of that word. But again, in the way that we eat, I think it's the approach and the knowledge that we take with us to see what would be successful for us. Right. So, you know, let's call it a food plan then. Just Okay. So, so we in, don't have to worry about In that. our food plan, I think the thing that we really have to be aware of, and that's something I want to talk to you about, is sugar. So what did you, you had, uh, we had talked uh, previously about how much sugar the average American eats, and it was like 130 pounds a year. 
Yes, I believe it's 130 pounds. It could be more or less. Actually, uh, prior to the low fat, the the low carbohydrate craze and the the, the high protein craze, um, the average amount of sugar was 156 pounds per year, I believe. And so it came down quite a bit just due to that. But um, I, you know, as I mentioned in in some of our conversations earlier, that I eat maybe one to two pounds of sugar a year. Um, and so uh, that means somebody else is getting twice as much as the average because I'm hardly getting anything. You know, my wife and son eat minimal amounts, not quite as little as me, but minimal amounts. And so... Now, what kind of sugar back, are you talking about, though? Go ahead, I'm just, sorry. sorry, just to be clear, what kind of sugar are you measuring? Are you measuring added sugar? I, I'm, like- just talking, I'm just talking about regular sugar, table sugar type things. I'm not even talking about wheat and starches and those type of things. Or fruit. You're talking about added sugar. Or fruit. No, I'm just talking about processed sugar, yes. And so then you you couple that with the 53 gallons a year of soda that the average adult drinks. Um, I mean, it's it's astronomical. And so one of the, I mean, that in in itself is the biggest culprit for the for many of the health problems that are going on now. Uh, and diabetes being not... huge, huge, Go ahead, huge. I'm sorry. sorry, diabetes being on the rise, being a huge, huge concern. Um, the numbers are staggering, actually. So, uh, twenty, as I'd mentioned in a previous podcast, twenty nine point one percent of Americans, or sorry, twenty nine point one million Americans are living with diabetes. The majority of those people have type 2. A staggering 85 million more, so that's it on top of the 29.1 million, are at risk of developing type 2 because they have pre-diabetes, meaning that their sugars are higher than normal, but not high enough to be classified as a type 2 diabetic. And they're really correlating this directly with our weight and what we're eating. So sugar is definitely a culprit. And the fact that you've just identified, and I'm still shaking my head, that this is an added sugar. So this isn't a natural source. This 130 pounds, roughly, of the average American is from added sugar. So you're not talking about eating a banana or having an apple or having a piece of bread. You're talking about added sugars in your juice, on your spoon, into something. Now, 130 pounds, I don't even weigh 130 pounds. I can't even (laughs) imagine how much sugar. And obviously, I think people would be shocked to know that we're eating that much. And the thing is, if you're living with diabetes, you could be eating close to that and not even be realizing it, but rather managing it just with excess medication and or struggling, definitely struggling to manage your diabetes. So sugar, definitely the culprit. Yes, and and the the thing is is that we've been raised in in the society to think that sugar isn't a bad thing. Um, I mean, it's it, it. I I'm flabbergasted because every time I see people talking about the latest thing that's going to help their health, 
nobody, I don't want to say nobody because that's too specific. I rarely see people stepping up and say it's it's what people are eating and what people are putting in their mouth. Um, because it's that's something that is a very personal thing with people. But what my job is, is, you know, you've mentioned willpower in the past and that having the, the ability or the the strength to say, look, I'm going to be stepping up and doing this and cutting these things out of my diet because it's important for my health. But I try to even take it a step further where I get the person to equate the the hard data with their actual blood sugar numbers, but also how they feel when they're eating these foods. And so if a person cleans up their diet properly, they notice there's a dramatic change in how they feel. They have increased energy, they sleep better, they have mental, uh, better thought processing, um, they have a dramatic reduction in the amount of symptoms that they have. And then all we do is add a specific type of food back in and see how it affects their health, their their diabetic numbers, their uh, their overall sense of well-being, excuse me, well-being and feeling. Um, because I found that it's much easier for people to make a choice or make a decision to choose the right thing if they have a feeling to associate that with. Because most of the feelings that we have with food, there's a lot of sentimental and a lot of emotional contact with food. But if you can get that person to see how it's truly affecting their symptoms, then it's much easier for them to make a shift long term. And and I agree with that. Um, Having said that, I have to tell you, I'm not... I don't have a weight issue at the moment. I'm sure we all say we'd like to firm up or maybe lose a pound or two or what have you, but really I don't have a weight issue. I could, and I've been slightly overweight, and it's a hard thing to do to shed pounds and to tighten up one's diet. And I can tell you that I've never um, gone on a plan such as, you know, and, and I'm going to just put it out there. Uh, they're wonderful weight, uh, weight Watchers. I'm sure they're wonderful and helped a lot of people, but they're not obviously always successful or we wouldn't have the numbers we have. They go with what works for me. And I think this is key of what we're talking about. I understand the way sugar affects me, and that's been through trial and error. That hasn't just been by reading a book. That's by you know doing it and checking blood sugars. I know how certain foods will affect me, and keeping that in my mind does help with willpower. It does help me get off bad cycles because I, too, we all have fallen into, into bad cycles, but my bad cycles can be shorter. They can be a day. They can be a meal. They can be a couple of days, but they're very short. And I have learned strategies and tricks that work for me to get off of them. And that's really in managing our cravings, especially, you know, um, when we start something new. As you said, we eating so uh, in a certain way for so long to make that change is difficult. And where do we start? How do we start that? And you hear constantly, how do I deal with the cravings? How do I deal with my hunger? Mm-hmm. Never mind just cravings, but you might just be hungry. And I've heard right, all right. kinds of stories where people have said they went on these, um, what they deem to be drastic. And maybe some of your methods, people would deem to be drastic. And how they, you know, they felt that they were eating virtually nothing and 
um, trying to cleanse themselves. And they said by day three, I thought I was, you know, hallucinating and I was cranky and I was <laughs> yes. horrible. Right. And I woke right. up, you know, I had some rest. And on day four, I was ready to give up. But somebody told me to hang in there. And on day four, they woke up and they felt like a newborn baby. They had this energy. The rest of the day, they went around uh, and apologized to people. They were embarrassed <laughs> at how cranky they right. were. And they found right. this euphoria. So really, right. willpower is is an effort, along with the dieting, along with the change in lifestyle, along with being hungry. All of this is such a hard thing. It's such an effort. Whatever we're willing to do to start that ball rolling, again, it's a personal journey. But let's talk about these cravings. So where do they come sure. from? Because people say, oh, why do I crave this salt all of a sudden? Why do I want sugar? You know, I need it. Obviously, I need it. I can't live without it. I have to have it. And it all goes to heck once that they give in to the cravings. So right. they're coming from sugar, obviously. And maybe we can explain where the, why we get some cravings. Sure, I'd be happy to. So the average person... Um, is going to wake up in the morning and maybe they have coffee or, or, or even tea, but they, maybe they put two or three tea, tablespoons or teaspoons of sugar in it. Um, and maybe they have a bowl of cereal or pancakes or waffles, and maybe they have a donut or a croissant or even a muffin because, you know, some people think if you eat a muffin, then it's healthy. But what happens is those things perpetuate a blood sugar spike, which perpetuates uh, an insulin response in, you know, somebody that has a normal insulin response is not type one. Um, and that insulin response drives down the blood sugar. So what happens is that blood sugar eventually goes below what the body considers to be normal and they get a blood sugar crash. And I'm sure everybody's experienced that, which facilitates the next sugar craving. So they, mid-morning, they'll have maybe another muffin or even somebody maybe have candy bar or candy or something to bring, some people do soda, to bring that blood sugar back up. And then it spikes again, and then it drops down again, and then lunch comes, and maybe they go out and they have a sandwich or pasta or, you know, it's usually a high-carbohydrate meal again, and which perpetuates the next blood sugar spike and the next blood sugar drop. And then you get the mid the midday or you know mid afternoon where people get fatigued and they start to yawn and their blood sugar drops down and they go and they get a coffee with a lot of one of those really sugary coffee drinks at you know, one of the coffee houses um, and then they do the same thing for dinner and so what happens is they have that blood sugar spike four five six maybe even seven times a day. And so every time that blood sugar comes up, it comes down, and that's what perpetuates the next sugar craving. And the thing is, is every time you get that blood sugar spike, the body can only use so much sugar at one time. And the rest of it is stored for later use, which is stored as fat. And so you're, you're, you're constantly slowly gaining fat every time you do that. Now, people are going to say, well, I'm not fat, but what happens is, you're, as I mentioned earlier, you're eating those foods that are perpetuating that fat storage, but you're not eating the, the nutrient-dense foods that are perpetuating uh, muscle growth and organ growth. And so those start to take a back seat to fat growth. 
And so slowly over time, it starts to shift. And it's going to happen so slowly in the beginning that, that you're really not going to notice. So what our goal is, is to, instead of having a sugar spike, is to create a long, slow-burning curve of, of fuel. And so, I again, I, I recommend cutting out all the, all the sugars and the starches. Now, I tell my patients in the beginning, look, we're only going to do this for two to four weeks. And the reason is, is because anybody can do, if, if people have an end in sight, it's much easier to cope with that process. And so they may have some withdrawal symptoms, they may have some headaches, they may have some things, but they realize it's only for two weeks and I can do this for two weeks. So what we do is we pull those foods out of their diet and we incorporate um, good, healthy proteins, animal proteins, fish, chicken, meat, um, to support the muscle mass and the organ growth, but also just to create a long, slow-burning fuel. That, coupled with good fats and oils, um, nuts are really good. Uh, try to eat them raw if possible. Um, butter is a really good fat. You, you don't have to overdo it, uh, but good butter is is a really good fat to eat. Um, stay away from hydrogenated oils and margarines and those type of things because any way that it came in nature is going to be way better for you than if we change something with it. Um, you know, man in their wisdom thinks if they alter something that is in nature, it's going to be better for us when, in fact, those foods have been around for thousands of years. Uh, good good uh, real olive oil, you know, that's... Um, it's a first cold press. It's good. it's going to be important. Um, and then, you know, I even have my patients eat eggs in the morning. You know, I mean, you don't have to have a lot. You know, one or two eggs. Um, maybe a little bit of the food that was left over from last night. You know, if you want to make it easy for you, uh, but something to create a long, slow burning fuel. Now, I eat eggs and like maybe a bacon or sausage with no nitrates or nitrites added to it. Um, I'll, I'll make some fruit. I have coffee, but I don't use any sugar in it. I'll, I'll maybe put a little bit of honey sometimes. Um, and so I am safe. I'm full enough and my blood sugar stable enough that I don't have to snack or anything until between like 1230 and one o'clock. Um, Which is really lunch. Yes, correct. Which is and really, so a, when, it's lunch, it's a meal time, because you've, absolutely. you've got enough to sustain you through that. But what about at the beginning? So I'm going to go back, I'm going to go back yes. a little bit and talk about these blood sugars. So now what you've said, and that is, um, when you eat something that's sugary, so it could be uh, something that spikes your blood sugar, and we know it's going to be candy, we know it's going to be a pop or a soda with sugar in it, we know it's going to be something like uh, chocolate or those are all identified. But if you ate four oranges in a row, that's going to spike your blood sugar. If you ate, Absolutely. Uh, right, if you ate four pieces of toast, that's going to spike your blood sugar. If you had the oatmeal that, you know, we hear wonderful, wonderful things about and how it can, you know, sustain us for periods of time and help with our cravings. If you're going to put a lot of sugar in that, a lot of maple syrup on it or brown sugar or who knows what, it's going to spike your blood sugar. So the goal 
whether it's a good sugar, meaning coming from the earth, or an added sugar, you're still spiking it. And when this happens, our body says, oh, we've got to take care of that, and it's going to produce insulin. But in the case of a diabetic, and this is, we get the same thing. So now what happens in a case of a diabetic is your sugar goes up, and now you have to give yourself insulin or take your pills, whatever your medication is, to deal with this sugar. In doing so, it's not going to happen in seconds because we don't produce enough insulin or any at all. And there is a lapse in that time. And it will also mm-hmm. create hunger. You may not give too much and have a low blood sugar per se, but in the interim, your body hasn't got fuel, so it will get hungry. Either way, this is how cravings and hunger can be created. When our sugar is high and we uh, we require insulin to deal with it in large amounts, whether you're a diabetic or whether you're not a diabetic, it all can come down to the same things. And this is where we roller coaster. We eat and then we're hungry shortly after and we're hungry shortly after. And that is a hard thing to get under control. So what do you recommend a person do at the beginning to combat that? Is it even if you gave up sugars, and when we say giving up sugars, pull them back, eat, you know, things, as you said, that don't spike our blood sugar as much. We're still in that mode of eating them. We still want them. They're delicious. Let's face it. It's good stuff. So what are some things that we can do to combat that as we're transitioning into cutting them out of our diet? Well, as, Is there as anything said, we can you, do besides just pure willpower? <laughs> No, yeah, yes, there are. So, uh, you know, again, if you if you start the morning with a good solid protein and and some fat, and then what's going to happen is mid morning you may still have that reaction just because you've had that that process for so long. So I recommend that you have good raw nuts, maybe cashews or almonds or you know Brazil nuts or you know whatever it is that that works for you. Um, peanuts don't count because peanuts are not a nut. They're actually a lagoon. Um, but any raw nut is going to be helpful because there, there's going to be some really good fat there, but it's going to satiate you. So you're not going to have some of that hunger pain, but it's not going to cause that huge blood sugar spike. And so that will help carry you through to lunch. So having those nuts be armed with them. If you're struggling with them, keep them on board. Right. And all, I mean, I always, you know, if I'm traveling or driving somewhere, I always have nuts with me because, you know, it's a really easy thing to eat when you're in the car. Um, the thing is, is make sure you chew them really well, because uh, many times when people have diabetes or other health conditions, they also may have a gut that's not quite functioning properly. And, you know, nuts can cause issues if anybody has, you know, diverticulitis or anything like that. So make sure you chew them extremely, extremely well. Um, and don't eat, like, three or four cups of them. Use them as a snack. Um, you know, nuts, when they're on the tree, have a shell on them. So it, it's, a, it's a monumental task to eat three cups of nuts if, if you're eating them off of a tree, you know, just picking them yourself. So eat them sparingly. It's, it's not supposed to be a meal. It's just supposed to be a snack. And remember that. And that'll help that, you through right? some of those cravings, yes. 
It's yeah. a snack. What about things like pumpkin seeds? Or um, are you all those are good? Sure. Putting that in there too. I love pumpkin seeds, but I think yeah, sometimes it I helps when you mix up your variety. You know, nuts and seeds, sunflower seeds are really good. All those are. I mean, you know, again, those have been around for a long time, and um, they're all really, really good. You know, the thing is, is when you start to get them, you know, when they're roasted with different types of oils or you know, raw is always going to be better. Um, however, you got to take into account that some people have slight reactions to raw nuts, and you know, some like I have some patients that have to blanch their their uh, almonds and their walnuts before they eat them, just because there can be like mold spores and things that grow on the outside of them that uh, do affect some people. You know, so you, so you have to take those type of things into consideration as well. What about I mean, the trail mix? I can mix? eat all of them. I'm sorry Again, to interrupt you, but okay. trail mix, because it's no, got no. a slew of things in there. Sometimes they have coconut shavings or fruit, sure. you know, dried fruit in there. You have to be, yeah, you have to be careful with many of those, though, because a lot of coconut has sugar added to it, and a lot of they, them have uh, peanuts or uh, chocolate. And, I mean, you know, you can get cram- cranberries are good for you, but most of them have sugar on it because they, they tend to be a little more sour. And so you have to look at... If you're making your own, then that's perfect. Um, if you're going to a place and you know that these are the things that it has in it, that's fine. But you have to read labels. I mean, it's you never know what's going to be added to things. And I think even making your own sounds better because I know myself, and I'll share this with you. I'm laughing at myself at the moment. I I was on a little bit of a... Um, a cycle where I was craving again. I was craving some sugar and I was at a store and I saw something called Women's Vitality Trail Mix. Well, doesn't that sound healthy and wonderful? And I bought some knowing full well that it, you know, there were some things in there that I wouldn't deem to be healthy, but I really had this craving going on. And so there was chocolate, there was yogurt covered, um, I, I believe it was uh, cranberries. There was all this, uh, a lot, a lot of dried fruit in there. And I thought, well, you know, how bad could it be? All these sweet things. It's vitality for a woman. And so <laughs> I, I really tricked myself into thinking, this is, this is healthy. This is great. And I got a snack size. But what I strategically did, because I was craving the sugar at the moment, was I picked all the sugary components out of this um, trail mix and I ate them. And I left the nuts and all the things that didn't have the added, oh. right? Because although they were a little more healthy on the natural side, there was still chocolate in there. There was still sweetened yogurt covering a perfectly good cranberry. And I was, that's what I wanted. So I ate all those first, and then I went on to eat the nuts. So really, we do have to be mindful, I think, when we're trying to cut back or we're dealing with cravings. Don't fall prey to these things like, oh, you know, um, trail mix for men, meaning, you know, this rugged man, you're out there hiking the trails or vitality for women. Look what's in it. Yeah. Because we're, we're so easily swayed. Well, it says it's good for me. Let's go. Sure. <laughs> now, now, you know, that you bring up a really, really good point because when you're out and about somewhere and maybe you, you, you forget to pack food and you're traveling somewhere and you're starting to have some type of an issue where you're getting some type of cravings and you know you're going to have some type of blood sugar response, you, that would be a better choice than, say, uh, you know, a candy bar, right? Oh, absolutely. 
you know, so so you have to make the best choice available you do with the choices that you have at that particular time. And so um, you that that is, you know, something that, that if people can get a concept of as well is that you can only make the best choices available to you at that particular time. Because everybody's going to run into that situation at some point. Right. We all do. And we all do. Exactly. And it's funny how um, we look at sugar. Obviously, people look at sugar and me, the people that know me, the people that know that I have diabetes, sugar and I seem to be um, partnered. So they, they say, Anita can't have sugar. And they'll, they'll, you know, sometimes people will bring me things, though. They want to bring me this homemade um, uh, banana bread. And I'm going to use banana bread as a as an example and they give everyone else this banana bread and it's got uh, chocolate chips in it and, and banana very popular right but it's always said out loud now anita i made your banana bread without chocolate chips because <laughs> you're not allowed to have sugar well right. you know i've heard so much of this through you know my 30 plus years living with diabetes that you know i can take it in stride but i gotta tell you sometimes it makes you want that darn chocolate so i find myself saying you know i can have the chocolate it's how i balance it out because people will right away say, take all that sugar and you can't ever have sugar, Anita. Anita can't have sugar because she's a diabetic. But what's happened to me from time to time is when I've needed sugar, they've actually tried to keep it away from me and I'm dealing with a low blood sugar. I need sugar at that point. And we have to be aware of this with our body. Sometimes we need sugar. And in case of a diabetic, you can go high, you can go low. And your lows really show up and your highs really show up. So we really have to be mindful. When we look at people, and especially in the case of diabetes, you know, there's times when they need sugar, whether it's maybe it's as much as two oranges. And that's a healthy sugar choice. But we may not have time for that. We might have to take that chocolate or you know grab some juice right away or have a sugary pop because again that's our choice as you said a choice given you know given at any certain time and what our circumstances are but it's funny right away it's no sugar and yet they will give me things like well i used uh sweet and low and i'm sorry to say the name but an artificial sweetener and i made your bread from that and they equate that to health when no Mm -hmm. i'm sorry put the chocolate in there that quarter of a cup in this little loaf, or not even a quarter of a cup, there was barely any chocolate chips in the other people's uh, loaves, might be far better for me than having that artificial sweetener. So when you're on a diet, um, artificial sweeteners can greatly affect you and that you're still getting the sweet and not the healthiest way. Yes, it, it, I find it even to be worse. Um, it's... It, it, it's a tricky thing because one of my goals is to try to get people to make healthy choices, but I'm also trying to get those sugar cravings reduced. And so by continuing the, 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 the process of eating those sweet things, even if it's artificially induced, you're, you're perpetuating that, that, that sweet tooth. And so, uh, I would rather somebody do what you say is, well, so if they're going to do that, maybe eat a little bit of something like chocolate or something that's got raw sugar in it or something that's going to be, you know, that's going to move them away from that because those, those artificial sweeteners, uh, many, many, uh, 
cascades as far as processes happen within the body that aren't normal to that body process. And so uh, it's it's a place that I don't recommend people go um, if they're really trying to create health. Uh, you know, you know, as you said, if initially I want people to be really strict for the first two to four weeks, just so we can determine what foods are affecting people. I mean, trigger points, maybe. People, what's that? Like a trigger point. I know that I have sensitivities. If I eat certain foods or if I have too much of them in my diet, it's a slippery slope slope to um, disaster. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, and and. You know, one thing can lead to another thing can lead to another thing. And so, you know, having that, that mindfulness or, or that awareness or, you know, you mentioned it, you know, willpower is just what is it that, that you're putting in your mouth? Um, because there's so many habits that we have that are just, oh, well, it's just a habit to, to eat this. So this is what I eat. Um, but, you know, starting to make that shift onto better choices is what I try to do. Now, having said that, what I found is that when people try to do this on their own, it's much easier if they if they try to pull one thing out of their diet. So if they're just pulling sugars, or, you know, refined processed sugars out of their diet, that's much easier to manage than if they're trying to pull all the bad things out of their diet at once. So I don't recommend that people unless you have an extremely strong willpower and the ability to do that, I recommend you work on one thing in the beginning. My patients have me as kind of a coach and a guide and a support team to help them with that. And so it's easier for me to pull many things out of their diet and monitor them through the pot, you know, the process, but it can be difficult unless you've got a support team. And so try one thing and see how you do with that first. So added sugars, let's say if someone's just starting out, they may want yeah. to cut out just added sugars. Now, when you're saying added Correct. sugars, are you counting in grains, breads, things like that? Um, that's something that I, I would like that to happen. But, you know, but again, if, if somebody's trying to create awareness around, around what they're doing, if they just focused on the things that had sugar in them, like uh, sodas and adding sugar to drinks, and um, if you have maybe a bread, maybe do a bread that's a homemade bread that doesn't have sugar. I mean, a lot of breads have sugar added to it, a lot of pastries, you know, those type of things. So anything that you know that's going to have sugar added to it, just start there and try that for a couple weeks and then see how you do. If, if things aren't progressing as quickly as you'd like, then incorporate grains. Um, the taking them is, out, you mean? Uh, taking them out of your diet? Correct. Sorry, sorry, sorry. In, incorporate grains into the things that you've removed from your diet. My mistake. I, 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 I didn't finish that sentence. And so pulling grains out of your diet at that point it would be good. But you also have to incorporate foods that are going to take the place of that. So you're going to have to have eggs in the morning. You're going to have to um, have a, a big salad with some protein because, you know, the, the sandwich is going to go away at lunch. Um, you're going to have to not have bread at night and maybe have, you know, long grain brown rice or something instead of that that starch. And so those are things that can be done. It just takes a little more effort and a little more work. 
I read it, and it's interesting you say that that you have to replace these foods because I read an article from the New York Times um, that I thought was fascinating about weight loss, and they said that the average person does not change the amount they eat. The body still requires the same amount, especially at the beginning. It's what uh, what kinds of foods are we adding in that amount? So, in other words, you can reduce your calorie count and eat something that's far you know better as in sugar so it doesn't convert to fat now you're storing fat but you're still at the beginning the body is going to want the same amount of food so if you're eating three pounds of food a day and i have no idea i'm just throwing out a number you'll still Mm -hmm. want three pounds of food but how are you going to get those three pounds of food so again volume versus weight so you know you're not going to eat three pounds of lettuce necessarily but you're going to add that in for volume you're going to add that salad to help you give you some nutrients and I would say um, fiber and um, and to fill yourself up. So really, it's not just about cutting back the amount you eat as much as filling the same amounts, eating the same amounts, I'm sorry, in a healthier way, cutting those sugars back because they're dense. Right. You know, you know, but also when you do the salad, you also have to make sure that you have an adequate amount of protein on there um, and watch the dressing because many dre- many of the store-bought dressings are really, really bad. Um, I will email you the re- the recipe that my wife got from her grandmother. You know, it's, it's really easy to make. It only has about four or five ingredients. And, you know, you can use that every day. And... Uh, you know, I used, you know, when I would travel somewhere and I would take my lunch, I would have my salad dressing in, you know, in a little container. You know, I would never use, um, you know, something that I get in a restaurant when I first started on this process because I had a blood sugar issue and a lot of it has, sh- you know, sugar in it. But I always have a salad with a, an adequate amount of protein, and that's going to help stabilize that blood sugar. If you just have the lettuce, you know, which, you know, you see these people and they're, they have a huge salad and they're just picking through lettuce that's plain. And that's a, that's a recipe for disaster. There's no way they're going to be able to stick on that because that type of that type of food is not going to sustain the blood sugar long enough for the person not to have a craving. And they're going to end up having a craving very shortly after that because they haven't satiated that, that long, slow-burning curve for, for blood sugar. And it is important to, to keep our protein um, in our diets, whether we're vegetarian or not. It, it's very important. So why is it that protein, because when I was first uh, diagnosed, we learned a lot about the proteins, and we were just kids. I mean, our parents were with us, but I can remember uh, vegetable A, vegetable B, dairy, um, you know, protein. They used to call it a starch choice, and we'd have all these choices, and then again, we'd be on a calorie plan. And But what it did identify to me at an early stage of my life was that some vegetables were sugary. Some weren't as sugary, but some were sugary Mm -hmm. almost to the point where they weren't going to call them a fruit, but uh, they were pretty sugary and could affect very close to what a fruit would when it came to your sugars. So there's so many things we should be mindful of um, when we're kind, kind of wanting to cut back on our sugars, even in vegetable choices, not to overdo them. And I believe you have a list of sugary vegetables that you were willing to share, which would be terrific, um, that I could post along with this dressing for uh, listeners to see. Sure, I'd be happy to do that, yes. And although they're good for you, carrots are great, and um, but they are sugary and they do have an effect. 
So is that something you right. you ask people to cut back on your, your patients um, when they start, you know, trying to cut sugars out? Be mindful. They might be healthy, but really be mindful of these things. And maybe only a few times a week should they be incorporating this into their diet at the beginning? You know, very much so. Um, it's it, um, anything that that's high in sugar can perpetuate that that blood sugar spike that that we talked about and so if somebody sits down and just has carrots and uh, you know carrot corn mixture for their vegetable that's not a good way to go and now you know i eat corn you know i get uh, non-gmo corn um you know we get organic carrots but we don't do them every day um our main vegetable is always a big green leafy salad with, you know, different types of lettuce throughout the week. Uh, and we'll have, you know, other types of vegetables, whether it be, you know, zucchini or, you know, we'll just go into the store and see what they have and, you know, make choices from that. But you you can't go wrong with a large amount of vegetables and a moderate amount of protein because those are going to be nutrient-dense foods. And your organ systems need those nutrients to function properly. You know, we could have a whole, a whole conversation on you know, endocrine function and nutrients and those type of things. But um, so, yeah, making sure that, that that they're doing those things and eating the greener, the better is typically what I like to recommend. But I like them initially to stay on lower, car- lower carbohydrate vegetables. And then we can move into the, some, of, some of the other vegetables as we see them progressing and getting better. Now, uh, protein has, and again, you know, when I said about the the diets at the beginning, they used to tell us, and I I still use some of these, I'm going to call them tricks of the trade. Um, They would give us little tips and and tricks to use if we started to fall into these sugar spikes, um, issues with cravings. And we knew this as kids, and they would tell us to turn to protein. So what you're saying is we knew long ago that people have forgotten, I would say, or are not using to their advantage, that when you add Uh, protein or higher amounts of protein if you're on one of these cravings if you want a snack like you could turn to nuts but you could also turn to other sources of lean protein and it really does help combat i know from personal experience it helps combat cravings and when i find myself wanting some things i will go to a protein with with a vegetable sometimes i'll just eat the protein but i'll go with a greener vegetable and I'll use that as a snack to fill me up and mm-hmm. get off that cycle and it greatly helps. Now why is that so? Why is the protein so powerful as a tool in this way? Well it it doesn't facilitate that, that blood sugar spike. It it's that long, slow burning fuel curve that, that we were discussing earlier. And so many times I've I've had patients asking, Well, can I beat jerky, you know, midday? Or you know mid mid meal I should say, and I say yes, but you have to make it yourself because as beef jerky most beef jerky has a lot of sugar in it, a lot of corn syrup in it, and so if you're making it from scratch and know what you're putting in it, that's a really good snacking food. It'll it'll carry your blood sugar over where you need it as long as you eat it early enough to where it can be, it, you know, it can be processed quickly. If you're looking to get a good blood sugar spike. From uh, extreme hypoglycemic incident, it might not be your best choice. But if you're looking for something mid-meal, or sorry, mid-morning or mid-afternoon to, to carry you through, that's a really good choice. So I'm totally okay with that. 
So the, the protein is important. Never mind that it helps with um, building muscle, repairing muscle, keeping that Correct. muscle mass, which also helps with our metabolisms and, and using the food properly within our bodies, which is so very important. As you said, very so. when you're cutting these things out of your diet, your metabolism slows down. And of course, and you know, the diets uh, long term don't always work because our metabolism is already slowed down. So we'll gain back the weight quicker because we've already kind of compromised our metabolisms and they're not at the rate that they should be. And so yeah. it's a very, it's a, it could be a very complex thing, but Really, we can make some small changes, although they could, you know, feel like they're big changes. And that's starting with the sugars and walking, doing some activity and seeing how we feel, but getting used to that. Because as you said, if you do too much at once, it can be overwhelming. It could be very, 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 so. very difficult. And, you know, that's, you know, being overwhelming can be a huge detriment because, I, I use the analogy of uh, a lot of people like to join a gym and they go to the gym and they're extremely excited and they don't get any training on how to use the machines properly and they just go and they start exercising and, and they're doing it incorrectly and what happens is they either, one of two things, either they're really sore, it, maybe they create an overuse syndrome in a joint or they pull a muscle or something and they decide, you know, this isn't for me and, and they just stop. Or they do it and they do it so much that that they they cause an overuse syndrome, you know, and the muscles are sore all the time because they haven't allowed the body enough time to rest and they, you know, after a week, they give it up again. And so having the proper training or, or, or the proper support to know how to navigate through that is really important. And these, these podcasts that, that you provide for your, your audience is a huge benefit to them because it's, it's kind of a pathway or a walkway for them to see, oh, I can try this and see how I do. I can try this and see how I do. So, you know, it's a huge service that, that you're giving your, your listeners. Well, thank you. And, you know, you have to do what works for you. And sometimes I think we're so anxious or we, we have a moment um, where we've either you know taken some information that they've said you have to lose weight now or else, or we just feel uh, inspired that finally we're going to do something about weight or we don't want to be in risk of developing diabetes or we want our sugars to come down, whatever it is. And it could be, it, maybe it's weight, maybe it's not. Maybe we're just eating too much sugar and it's not showing up in our weight. But we have this surge or a family member says, you're supposed to do this. And we jump on this bandwagon and we take on too much at once. And it's just not doable. And it creates a lot, a lot of people to become um, discouraged. And I think, as you said, it, it's, it's overwhelming. And we're not doing it properly. And what suits us as individuals? Because right. what may work for one person doesn't work for another. I don't find that a lot of plans um, have been successful for me. They may be for about a week, um, no longer than a week. I can honestly say when I've tried to uh, eat in a different way and use a plan, that only about a week. Now, that's me in particular. I need that freedom. But if I'm armed with the right information, I will use it. So that's the difference. There's everyone I think is a little bit different. If I know and I have experimented that maybe I'm a little more sensitive and I'm just going to say popcorn. I'm a little more sensitive to that kind of a sugar than I am to potato chips. 
And that can well happen in people. That if I was eating one of the two, then I'm going to say, okay, I know popcorn's going to raise my blood sugar. I'm not going to have that. Maybe I'll have potato chips now and again. I'm still cutting it out. But it's through trial and error. And eventually that would lead you to not eating them at all. But we have to do things in stages and know what works for us. And we don't know if we're not... Uh, trying. We don't know uh, success if we don't have a little bit of failure. So keeping that in mind too, when when you're a diabetic and you're you know looking at your diet and what affects you, don't focus on any one blood sugar. Use that as a tool to say, what did I do that created that blood sugar? And then you have a guideline to go on. Don't freak out over one blood sugar and say, oh, my blood sugar went high and I have to give this insulin and you're all upset and you're afraid. Okay, what did I do to create that blood sugar? And obviously it's sugar, as we've just had a whole conversation about. And have a look at it because don't you think that things appear differently in everyone? I know that grapes will up my blood sugar faster than oranges. And I know that because I test, because I test and I try it out, or I have tried it out and thought, hmm, I ate extra grapes uh, more than, you know, than one serving of fruit really equates, and it really affected my blood sugar. I had an orange and a half, and it didn't really raise my blood sugar, that extra little bit of orange, as much as having that extra bit of grapes. Mm -hmm. So it's very trial and error. Would you agree with that? You know, I would completely agree with that, and that's that's part of the detective phase in in the work that I do is is helping the patient to determine which foods affect them and how those foods affect them. You know, as you said, because everybody's different, and so uh, you can have a blanket approach in the beginning, but it always has to be fine tuned for each individual because we're so individualistic. And things will show up differently in different people. And I think that's where uh, even someone caring uh, for someone with diabetes, they really have the best intentions and they want to cut everything out. But really realizing that um, there is a blanket approach at the beginning and then we really are individuals and things will vary in everyone. So... You know, I know in people um, that are in my life that, I I mean, I manage myself very well, but they take on a protective role, can become food police. And that is a difficult thing. Willpower is very difficult. It's a constant effort. Um, Dealing with cravings, obviously, that's all part of it, and temptations. So being a food police is not always... Um, effective. It's different when someone comes to you willingly, as in someone like yourself, and said, I need some support. Please be here for me to keep me away from these things. I think it's quite another thing when people um, are constantly telling you, no sugar, no sugar, no sugar. And then we come to this mindset that I can't ever have sugar, when that's not even realistic. Because sugar shows up... In many different ways no, in our ahead, diets. Sorry. That's okay. Sugar shows yeah. up in many different ways in our diets. And really, you can yeah, have that. whatever you want. Like people eat in front of me and they say, oh, Anita, I'm going to be so bad and I'm going to have a dessert. Look, who am I? Go eat what you're right. going to eat. I am not going to stop you. I'm not going to judge you. I have nothing to say unless you ask me to. I have nothing to say about it. You have whatever reasons you have to eat the way you're going to eat, and it's really a personal journey. 
And I find that that relaxes people and they'll even open up. Well, hmm, I was going to have that, but you're having this. And why are you having that? Well, I'm having a spinach salad with protein because I, you know, I find that I feel better when I have these things. My sugar doesn't go up. Um, you know, it lasts me a longer uh, period of time between meals. Oh, well, maybe I'll try that too. Rather than, you know, they're eat, they're making a choice in front of me and I say, you know, you really shouldn't be eating that. Right. Yeah, yeah because that never works well. It never works never well. Works well. <laughs> <laughs> and so I find that it's you must have that in your practice where people must be willing to make the change. Yes. Um, I mean, there's... There's times when they're not. Uh, there's times that uh, spouses are going to bring their, their, you know, somebody's going to bring their, their spouse in as a patient because they've gotten so, so well and had such good results. And the spouse will say, you know, I'm doing this because my wife really wants me to do it. Um, and so those are the people that I really can't work with because there's, I can only help the person as much as they're willing to be helped. And so the people that want the support and want the help to get to a state of health that they want to achieve is is doable. The ones that you're fighting all the way, it, our, our relationship doesn't work that way, and so I'll find them a practitioner that wants to work with them the way that they want to be helped. Um, but that's not the type of work that I can do because I only want patients that actually want to try to succeed at some point in their health. Now, it doesn't mean that it's all going to be easy and that there's not going to be some struggles because, you know, there are, but it's much easier in a team environment to get uh, to a goal than it is if you're trying to do it by yourself. And that's what I try to create. And that is support and understanding um, that, you know, the, it's a it's a tough go. And willpower is difficult. And making these changes aren't easy. I mean, we, we've come to a state where we know we have to do something about our health and we have to lose weight, whatever it is. And it involves food. And it's not an easy go of it. And we, we hear time and time again, I, I've been on, I can't tell you how many diets. Well, this one worked a little bit better than that one. And that one worked a little bit better than this one. But at the end of the day, they're with the same problem, still needing to lose weight. They weren't successful long term. And I really think we, we have to arm ourselves with education and know what works for us. Absolutely. So that leaves me back to you, Art, in your practice. Maybe you can share with my listeners um, your information on how they could look you up. If someone's looking for some support or information, would like to, uh, through their diets, manage their health in a better way and perhaps lose some weight, um, can you share your website information, your email with us? Sure, I'd be happy to. My my website is www.concept.com. ForHealth.com. That's C O N C E P T S F O R H E A L T H dot com. My email. It, you can actually access it on the website, but it's D R A R T Doctor Art at conceptsforhealth.com. And my phone number is five five nine. Four seven five eight six one one. If you want to call me directly, and you do do consultations on the phone. Yes, all my consultations are done on the phone. I have patients uh, throughout the country, and it's. Uh, I had offices, and I just found it more efficient for patients not to have to travel so far, and 
to spend a short amount of time and then go back. And then, you know, we ended up having to have phone visits anyways because they were so far away. And so now I don't have any geographic boundaries that limit my patients from getting in touch with me. So it's, you know, it's a win-win for both of us. Now, you, you're going to share some information. You're going to send me um, a recipe for some dressing that's healthier and low in sugars. Is that right? And a, a food Correct. plan that identifies some vegetables that really are a little higher in sugar. So we may not want to be you know, overdoing them at the beginning in our diets and keeping our sugars low. Correct. Yeah, I will take care of that today for you. That's great. And I'll be putting that on the description of the show. So anyone listening, they can um, get these, these links on the description of the podcast today. So thank you for joining me. I know you're, you're having to get off to an appointment, so I really appreciate your time. If you're someone who's really trying to keep your sugars down or under control, lose weight, or possibly both, there's, and you've tried all these different diets and you're not finding long-term success, let's arm ourselves with this useful information. One of them is just dealing with cravings alone. There's some great advice and adding some lean, healthy protein and some green leafy vegetables all you know, lower in sugars and understanding that even some you know, vegetables are high in sugar and could be creating these spikes and seeing what works for you. That's the most important. Be your own food detective and see where success lies for you. Remember to consult your doctor. Always let them know of any changes you're making in the diet. And again, one step at a time. You might want to just start with cutting out these added sugars. And then from there, some added starches and carbohydrates that you weren't aware of. But again, do what works for you. These small changes are so very important. And add some exercise to your diet. Keep that metabolism up with some, you know, resistance, building the muscles, all very important. If you'd like to send me any success stories or have any questions, please email me at anita at anitacoach.ca and follow me on Twitter at Anita Westlake.